Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Drink it in, man. Touchdown, Detroit Lions! Cornbread! Drink it in, man. Detroit Kool-Aid, what is going on, everybody? We are back, and we are recording this Friday morning, and I got Grifka here. Grifka, what's going on? Hey, man, just uh, getting ready for this big game on Sunday. Division game, first one of the year. First Packers. Oh, man, it is crazy to think that it's, um, you know, first division game. It's been a struggle through the first quarter, but uh, I'm excited to see What's going to happen in this game? Because uh, the Packers have always been tough, but you know, in certain ways, which I'm sure we'll get into, it it feels like a little bit of a coin flip. And man, I'd sure love to win it. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, this is uh, definitely big for us. Uh, before we touch on uh, the game and we start, uh, you know, breaking it down, thinking, uh, talking about how we feel about it. A couple things I just want to touch base with. Then I read uh, earlier this week that uh, Ziggy's actually back at practice now. Uh, um, think he's going to play this weekend, or is this just kind of one of those uh, let's see where he's at, you know, game time decision type things? Well, I was real happy to hear that he is back on the practice field a bit. I mean, we're you never know, you know, when you just hear he practice once or twice. You know, it really depends on leading up to game day what happens. But I said it multiple times on this show, man. Um, he has struggled with injuries. He's highly paid, but I think he's highly physically talented and he seems to produce when he is out there and when he you know is at full steam so I I really hope he gets out there if I had to predict it today you know I would think that maybe if he stacks a few practices you know he's a game time and then maybe if he doesn't play this Sunday you know it could still lead into some good things coming off the bye week because I don't want this guy to miss the whole season and I definitely don't want him to you know, just miss multiple games in the second half of this year when we're struggling and he's collecting that big paycheck. So, Ziggy, get it together, get back, start putting some sacks on so somebody else can pay you a whole lot of money. Yeah, we, def- we sure aren't. Yeah, we uh, definitely need him on the field, especially with this uh, game coming up against, uh, you know, the Burt under the line saddle, you know, Aaron Rodgers. Um, saw a couple other things this week. Uh, once again, uh, TJ Lang, once again, going through per, um, concussion protocol. We all saw him uh, walking off the field with uh, obvious uh, wobbly and help from two people on uh, Sunday. Um, with that being said, it looks like the Lions also brought back was the offensive lineman that they cut last weekend. Uh, was it Donald? Tackle, uh-huh. So he's back. Um, what do you think this offensive line will be if uh, TJ Lang is out for uh, – this weekend and the coming week, you know, next few weeks. Griffka, I'm super torn on this one because I feel like TJ Lang at this point in his career is kind of a, a glue guy. He's a guy that 
you love him in the locker room. You love him, like, just his meat potatoes type of attitude and be able to keep that whole line together. But I don't know that he's a dynamic player, you know, at his right guard position anymore with all these injuries and some of his physical limitations. I mean, I love his attitude. I love his ability. And when he's out there, I feel like all five of them are better off and we work better together. But I don't think he's moving people you know, the way that a dominant guard would be. or I mean, I think he's making $10 million a year. It's a lot for a guard. you got to have a an absolute dominant player, not only in the run and the pass game there. So I'm really worried for his physical well-being that just if the back's locking up, if he's got five, six concussions on his medical record now, to me, that's, that's trending in the wrong direction for, you know, is this guy going to play again? Not only is he going to be productive, but is he going to, want to strap it up anymore? Are we going to want him to? Is it going to be almost like a job at best situation where he just, you know, goes away and we just have to kind of go in a whole new direction at that position? Um, because it did not look good Sunday, and I don't think it's trending good. I think we need him, but I don't like Kenny Wiggins there, and I don't think that we'll get a, a replacement in the draft or free agency anytime soon. So I really hope he can bounce back, but I'm really not expecting it. So... Yeah, it looks like uh, the way he was walking off the field, this doesn't look like a quick recovery at all. I mean, I'm no expert on concussions at all, but uh, he was a uh, he was a big big part of the run game against the Patriots. It seems like uh, I know we talked about this last podcast. It seemed like the um, the run game went down a little bit after he left against the Cowboys, and uh, you know Wiggins is serviceable at best, but he's not uh, he's not good or great by any stretch of the imagination so you know signing Donald back obviously that guy's just a stop gap or whatever you want to call him they're obviously not uh you know looking to play this guy I mean they cut him and they're just bringing him back probably for the injury to Lang but uh other than that uh I mean uh if if Lang's out it's it's you're going to be hearing for certain on that um I I I don't know, Griffka, like, I still am pretty high on our offensive line in general. I mean, there's been struggles at pretty much every position. I mean, Frank Ragnow has basically been our best guy. But to me, I mean, you lose T.K. Lang, you're sort of losing a big cog in that wheel. And, like, I just want this line to be what we paid for, which is really good and dominant and graders in the run game and keeping Stafford clean. I mean – I think some of their numbers kind of reflect they've been pretty good, but it hasn't felt like that when I watch a game on Sundays. So, TJ Lang, I hope you get better, man. I hope you're all right. I mean, if you can play again, great, but you got to take care of yourself. And uh, it was just sad to see that, man, because uh, I know the week before he was on the Valenny show and uh, I had a great attitude. He was really fired up after that uh, New England win, thought they could, you know, do something special. Who knows what happens in that Cowboy game if he plays and if they can – can run it a bit better. So I think it's a big blow across the board. And like you say, I think he was fired up about where this team was going and now he might be on the show for a while. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but it's going to be, it's going to be a blow for sure. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's all I got right now. So let's do this. Uh, we got a big game coming up this week. It's, uh, you know, the lines are now, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I'd call this must win yet, but uh, this is a big game. First divisional game. It uh, would go a long way in helping the season uh, for the Lions. Uh, talking about uh, our beloved Green Bay Packers, um, they have uh, oh, yeah, they have yeah. they have Clay Matthews. You know, out, 
you know, doing late hits on quarterbacks and finally getting called mm-hmm. for it. You know, Aaron Rodgers. Fabio. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers probably still, you know, get crying about getting, you know, breathed on as, you know, somebody goes by him. And, uh, you know, he's got the bulky knee, which means ref will be, refs will be uh, looking to protect him a little more because, you know, the Packers will be terrible if he's not on the field. So, uh, um, let's, uh, let's start by breaking this one down. Uh, I know, you know, like I said, in the past, Aaron Rodgers has really been, uh, you know, a thorn in the side of Detroit. You know, we all remember the Hail Mary play where Ziggy Ansah's, you know, covering the sideline as opposed to the end zone. Um, you know, we all we all remember. We all remember. Yeah, we all remember Indomitian and Sue. You know, when it was really cold up in Green Bay and stepping backwards and accidentally stepping on, you know, Aaron Rodgers, and then he made it seem like his, you know, foot fell off and. You know, everyone's like, oh, oh yeah. is Sue going to get suspended? So Aaron Rodgers has, you know, done plenty of crying, you know, you know, against the Lions. So uh, what do you think the Lions need to do this weekend to, to stop and or at least kind of contain him? Griffka, I mean, I think he set it up great. There's been so many issues with Aaron Rodgers, the crying, the, the, the antics, but also his play on the field. I mean, this guy cannot frustrate me anymore when I watch him play. His little his little flick where he he's flicks the ball off his wrong leg, the the little scampers that he does where he gets first downs. Like, there's a few players in sports at every at every different level and every different sport that you just hate. Like almost everything they do, no matter how good they are, you know, it's just so frustrating to watch. Not only because they're they're usually beaten up on your team, but they're just annoying on every level. I mean, he fits that to a, a T. So, to me, the only way to deal with Aaron Rodgers is to battle him, which is, like you say, get after him in the rush game. If you can do a little extra, meaning like getting down towards his legs or kind of pushing him after the play or doing little things here or there to get him off his game, I mean, to me, that's that's really the best you can do. He's going to make his plays. He's going to give his stupid little winks and his little um, belt signs or whatever he's doing these days. That's just frustrating. But there's nothing this guy does that doesn't annoy me, and there's not much the Lions can do to ever slow him down. So it's not a good combo when the Packers and the Lions play because I got to watch this guy torch us, and I have to watch all his antics to go along with it. Yeah, he definitely seems to be uh... – pretty smug i mean that's just his attitude you know what i get from him yes it's, just, it's a good word yeah. aaron Rodgers is one of the smuggest people of all yeah, time he's always like he he's like the uh he seems like the kid you know that 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 five-year-old kid who like uh knocks over the vase and it busts and like his mom rushes in and he just gives it like i don't know what happened and he smiles and he gets away with it you know stuff like that or blames it on the dog or you know things like that that's just totally aaron Rodgers to me it just seems stuff to this guy seems to like have a charmed nfl career seems like everything always goes right for him and then he just smiles after the game it's just like oh you know i made the play and it's just oh i want to thank god and give it up for my team it's just like Come on, dude. Let's you know. Let's let's be real here. You know, I mean, you get the benefit of calls because you're in Green Bay, and you're. Aaron Rodgers never thanks God. He just thanks himself. Oh, okay, I mean, well, he, yeah, sorry. He thanks himself for everything, but uh, yeah, I mean, you hit it on the head. And... So yeah, it's just. Oh, I, I but know. I think the biggest thing, the lines, what's his his knee isn't a hundred percent. So uh, that's been kind of affecting his play so far this year, and I think that's going to have to be one of the things that the Lions at least try to take advantage of. Like we have to, we're gonna have to play a defensive game like 
like the Lions played against the Patriots. And obviously Tom Brady's a lot less mobile than what uh, Aaron Rodgers is. But that's got to be one of those things that I don't think, you know, Aaron Rodgers is at 100%. So uh, the Lions are going to have to, uh, you know, do something, you know, to get after him, you know, make him uncomfortable, you know, have people, you know, whizzing by his head. And, you know, they're going to have to lock down that defense, uh, you know, a lot better than what they did, you know, you know, to yeah. keep him off the field. You make a good point, Griffka. Like, to me, we already have the blueprint. Just try to replicate what you get against Tom Brady. Keep this idiot off the field. Keep him on the sideline with his stupid towel around his neck and his dumb hat on. And uh, don't let him get out there and make plays. Because if he gets out there, he's going to make those plays where he extends the play. He stands in the pocket all day. You know that we won't be able to get to him, you know, for the most part. He'll run around, and he'll make some of those chunk plays that always kill us. So keep him on the sideline, rattle him in the pass rush, when you, and if you can get there. And then, to me, like, they have some decent runners, runners, but nobody that blows the top off. So just be solid, you know, on your defensive game. Don't let any big rushes get out the gate. And, uh, and I'm sure we'll get to it. But, hey, offense, just go win us this game because, you know, defense is still going to be tough regardless. Well, you mentioned the running game, and we've talked about that, you know, the Jets. Oh, they only have Bilal Powell and Isaiah Crowell, and nobody knew who the 49ers running back was until we played them. And, uh, you know, I mean, Zeke Elliott, Zeke Elliott, there's, that would have been hard anyways. And uh, But do you think the Lions will have a better run defense this week that uh, some unknown guy, Tim Montgomery or whoever – you know, isn't going to go off and, you know, bust out 125 yards and people are going to go like, hey, who's this guy, you know? And all of a sudden, you know, we, you know, Green Bay comes up with some running back that nobody's ever heard of before, you know, pull some dude out of the stands eating a bratwurst and he bust off 150 against the Lions. So uh, I think the run defense will be better this week. I mean, it can't be much worse than it has been with some of the big plays we've given up, the big yardage totals. But I'm really worried. I mean – I just said they don't really blow you away, but I mean Aaron Jones just coming back. He's only been back one week, but he's a guy that scares me. What he does in the run game, I think he can catch it a little bit too, and he's one of those kind of explosive backs that I could see hitting a crease on us if we're not careful. Jamal uh, Williams is just kind of like a a grinder, a guy that can move the chains, can kind of make the simple play. So you got to prevent him from that. And like you said, Montgomery's more of a receiver turn running back that just kind of. You know, they have to know where he's at, but, I mean, he hasn't been very consistent in any of the different ways they've tried to use him over the years. So, I mean, to me, that's not my biggest worry. To me, it's it's Avante Adams and it's, you know, uh, Geronimo Allison if he plays up over the top. And stupid Jim – I mean, I hate to keep referring to him as stupid, all these players, but they just frustrate me so much. So, Jimmy Graham, to me – you know, he's killed us at different teams he's been on. To me, he always seems to, like, sleepwalk until he plays the Lions, and then he throws up 110 and two touchdowns or something. So I think they're going to try to get him the ball, and we've never done well at covering tight ends. So it's another thing we're going to Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, the defense, it, it seems like the run defense can't get much, much worse than uh, what it has been. But once again, I mean, Green Bay doesn't have like that, you know, greater running backs. Nobody that like you're just supposed to scare you. 
But it's one of those things where I think the Lions are going to need to put the defensive backs on the field to stop Aaron Rodgers and the guys you mentioned. I mean, Devontae um, Adams, Geronimo Allison, and I don't know who they're going to put on. You know, Jimmy Graham, you know, everything in the preseason was that, you know, everything we heard is like this guy was going to be unstoppable in the red zone. And I think he has a couple touchdowns this year. But, I mean, it's one of those things where you don't you, – you're not calling his name every week. Like, it seemed like, you know, he did when he was with New Orleans. So, uh uh, obviously, some teams are scheming to stop him, and uh, I don't know if that's just part of where uh, the Packers are at right now. I think they have like an injury. I think Brian Balaga, I don't know if he's on their offensive line again, but he's another one of those offensive linemen. It seems like he's always hurt for Green Bay. But still, they miraculously are able to you know, keep Aaron Rodgers kind of upright, and, you know, and the running backs are still serviceable. So, uh, I mean, hopefully the the, the, the run defense, they, they don't have to commit you know nine guys to the box to stop the run. You know, leaving a, a weaker defensive backfield back there for Aaron Rodgers just to pick apart. So, uh-huh. something that uh, once again, I, I don't know if this will be the week that they shore it up. You know, going into the bye week, but uh, it, it has to. They're, they're going to have to do that just to keep the defensive backs on the field to stop Aaron Rodgers. Um, with that being said, though, I mean, you know, stopping Aaron Rodgers. Do you, th- you think the Lions' offense can score enough against the Packers' defense? I mean, the Packers' defense is decent. I mean, it's. Uh, you know, it's not like the steel curtain or anything, but still, I mean, they're a decent defense. I know uh, they lost a big uh, big key in what Wilkerson, I believe he's out for the year. But uh, I think Clay Adams is playing more with more of a chip on his shoulder now and, you know, with all like these rough in the passer calls that he's getting. So um, you think the Lions will be able to throw up enough points this week? You know, at least keep their offense scoring. I know we had, we talked about it the last podcast where they seemed a little stale and they only came alive when they really needed to. So... What, what, do you, what do you envision this week out of the Lions offense? So here's my thing with that. Like, you know, leading up to this game, I've heard a lot of reports already of, oh, you know, this should be a shootout. And uh, Lions are coming home and Green Bay's defense isn't that good. They should be able to put up all these points. I feel like I'm hearing that a lot the last year or two. And then I, I'm not getting that result from the game. Like it's a said to be a shootout it ends up being like, you know, 17-13 or something. So I just don't know. To me, the NFL is a coin flip every game. You really have no idea not only who's going to win, what the heck's going to happen. But I feel that they should be able to put up points and move the football. But I'm going to put it on this offense and call them out to say, hey, rather than me thinking you're going to do it and all these experts saying, you know, that Marvin should have a good day or Kenny Galladay is going to keep it up or, you know, hey, we'll, we'll get carry on some rushes and he'll he'll turn it up again. Like, just go out and show me. You know, just go out and do it. Go out and put up 30 points and see if you can hold uh, Aaron Rodgers to under 30 and win this game because this this isn't a game I don't think we can win, but I'm really scared a lot of different levels that could go one way or the other, and I feel like the offense needs to step up, you know. They have all these skill guys, and they have this quarterback that's 10 years down the road. Like, just go out and win a football game. Like, I don't care how you do it. I don't care what it takes, but I know it's going to take at least 21, 28 points at a minimum to win this game. You're not going to hold Green Bay to like under 20. I guarantee you that. So go out and do it rather than talk about it. Go out and show me rather than me always hope that we're going to explode on offense. Cause once we do it a few times then I'll start to believe it more. But I think this is a game where Marvin could step up. I feel like as much as they've been saying, they're not going to run carry on. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get 20 overall touches in this game. And uh, like I say, 
Matt Stafford needs to crank up those numbers. I mean, 280 and two touchdowns isn't good enough. We need 350. I'm seeing a lot of quarterbacks thrown for 400 and four. Go out and do it, number nine. Let's go. So, like you said, uh, you know, getting carry on the touches, you actually think they'll use him more? It seems like people are starting to ask for it. You know, he's obviously the – seems like he's the best running back on the team at this point. Do you think they're going to, you know, scheme him more? Or do you think it's going to be more the same? It's just like, okay, you know, carrying has got his. we got to get LeGarrette his. And, you know, we have to get, you know, theoretic his. You know, they have to space everything out to keep, you know, carry-on healthy for the whole season. Now, you, you think they'll scheme it where they actually use him more this week? Yeah, we talked about it a lot previously. Like, I just – I don't put much stock in what these coaches say because they don't say anything. So when they do say something, I either think it's more of a smoke screen or it's just – They'll say one thing and then go do the other. So, like you say, they're getting pressure from the fans. I mean, they drafted this guy in the high to mid-second round. Um, Your Blunt's not doing anything dynamic that you can really justify. Well, hey, we can't not plan. Look at what he's doing. I mean, he hasn't – I don't think he's got in the end zone yet. He hasn't made any explosive plays. You know, maybe a 12-, 15-yard rush is probably his best play of the year. So, I mean, everything points to this guy getting more more touches and – when they see the production, like they'll keep it up, you know, what is what I'm both hoping and thinking a common sense type person would do. So I think, you know, like everybody will go into this game thinking they're going to spread it out and think they're going to, but I, I could see carry on getting, like I say, 20 overall. So maybe like, you know, 16 rushes, four passes. And then uh, I would love to just, you know, keep LeGarrette Blunt there for certain situations, but the ones that don't go to carry on, I haven't seen much of the explosive Theo Riddick that I like. I feel he has a couple plays, excuse me, he has a couple plays this year where they've split him out. He's done what he does, which is run a great route on a linebacker and catch an explosive play. Why we don't do that more? I mean, I watch so many games, Griffith, where a player just like Theo, like James White or Duke Johnson or these other guys that just basically catch the football. I mean, every once in a while, more than every once in a while, they're putting up numbers of like 80 yards receiving, you know, two touchdowns, you know, 100 yards receiving and a, and a few good runs because everybody thinks that they're going to catch it. Like those games a couple of years ago, and it feels like the last year and a half has just been, you know, two catches, maybe 20-some yards, no touchdowns. Like that's not good enough, especially once we gave them an extension. So any balls that aren't going to carry on need to go to number 25 and it needs to go to him in the pass game, and it needs to be those explosive plays that we're used to. And he even scored a few touchdowns. I remember, I think it was two years ago. I want to say he probably had six, seven touchdowns. Like, you should be able to use this guy in the red zone. So I'd love to turn the whole running slash running passing game over to carry on, Theo. Garrett Blunt will use you on certain little plays, but don't expect more than, you know, a handful of looks and – I think that's what will get this team over the top is using those two skill guys and their three receivers to full force and not trying to spread it out as much. Just use them and uh, reap, the, reap the rewards. So that's what I'm hoping they do. But, I mean, you could say you don't see it, but I think that that's what they have to do to not only win this game but to be more explosive on offense and to get what they are paying these guys, get, get what they you know, have bought out of them because spreading it around the way they are isn't going to get it done. Yeah, I think it's time that they start to scheme more with carry-on. I mean, uh, 
it seems like every time he's on the field, like you said, it's like it's one of those things I don't know, like if he can house every play. But he seems to you know, at least get the moves to, you know, gain a few extra yards as opposed to, um, you know, LeGarrette Blunt. You know, uh, you know he'll, he'll make a move here or there. But I know it was that we were talking about the stats earlier, you know, how many yards per carry that uh, carry-on has as opposed to LeGarrette Blunt. So, um I definitely think for this team to improve to be better on offense, they have to definitely use a uh, carry on Johnson. Carry on Johnson. And real quick, though, that. real quick, like Garrett Blunt to me is not a bad player. I'm not upset he's on this team. Like to me, when I was talking about Amir just being held there as like a hey, we'll call you if we need you type of guy. Like to me, that's almost what Garrett Blunt needs to turn into. Like, hey, we love your leadership. We love your toughness. We love that. You know the scheme, you support this coach, but just hang there and we'll let you know if somebody goes down, you'll be our feature guy. If we have a great situation that you do well, we'll put you in. But otherwise, support the young fella, coach him up. And, I mean, Garrett Bunt's not playing for contracts anymore. He's not playing. He's already won some Super Bowls. So he needs to be that guy like Amir is on the inactives. You know, Garrett Bunt just needs to be active, would be the, hey, you know, um, We'll we'll get you if we need you, but if everybody stays healthy, you know we're we're heading in a different direction. So I don't know that that'll happen right away, but that's what needs to happen. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, with all that being said, I mean we uh, talked about this. I mean, it is a divisional game, and you know it is at home, and pretty much everybody on you know lines Kool Aid Cast knows what Green Bay is. And uh, earlier said it's going to take more than uh, twenty points to uh, win this game. I mean, with that. Uh, what what do you think this outcome is going to be for Detroit? What's your what's your prediction? Well, um, like you said, this is the Detroit Kool Aid Cast. I know a couple of uh, weeks ago, I think it was uh, heading into the Patriots game. Me and you we came to prediction time. We kind of we thought it out and we explained it out and we thought just like every other pundit, you know, uh, I don't think they can get it done against the Patriots, and they came out and absolutely laid the wood to Tom Brady and, and Bill Belichick and company. So I think I've learned from my mistake there, and you would think the people are probably saying, well, uh, Oakley's probably going to pick uh, Green Bay and then the Lions will absolutely demolish them. But I'm going the other way, Chris, because this is the Detroit Kool-Aid cast, and yes, we haven't been playing good football. Matt, Aaron Rodgers is a complete jabron, and I hope that we just destroy him not only on the field, but uh, – you know, like you say, that, that knee brace has a little bit of a target on it. Um, I'm just going to drink the Kool-Aid and say that we come out, we play a good game, we sure up the defense just enough, the offense gets humming. I don't know if it's no huddle. I don't know what they do. I think they just throw it around the yard, you know, when they can. I'd like to see maybe anywhere from 75 yards plus out of carry-on and maybe a touchdown, 30-plus points. I'm calling this game of a – Oh, man, I just said they got to prove it to me, but I'm going to put up 35 points for the Lions, and I say that good old Aaron Rodgers, your boy, is going to score 28 for the Packers. I put up some big scores and big predictions, but I feel like this is a game they know they have to get humming, and the defense isn't going to win it themselves. So 35 Lions, 28 Packers, let's go. Let's get it. Put up a dub in forward field, have some life, Go on the bye week and then see what happens after that. Wow, I mean, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. This is the Detroit Kool Aid, and uh, oh boy, and, I, and I know we've uh, I know we've talked about Get this ready, in the past. People. 
that uh, sometimes you just got to be realistic of you know what your team is on the field. And uh, yeah, like I said, I, I don't know about this defense. I mean, we were shredded by uh, one superstar against the Cowboys, and the uh, Green Bay Packers have a superstar of their own that uh, seems to take take a liking to uh, beating the the Detroit Lions. Um, it's one of those things, like you said, uh, the, the offense really needs to open up the playbook. They really need to go to page two, and uh, you know, pull out some uh, pull pull out some stops on this because the offense is going to have to be the one to win this game. And like you said, it's going to be a shootout. There's no way they're going to hold the 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 Packers to ten or thirteen points and win this a fourteen, thirteen, seventeen, thirteen game. So yeah, they're going to have to throw up some points. So you're looking at a score probably like, uh, gosh. Uh, I know I know in the preseason I picked this a W, so I'm going to stick with it. And I'm going to say Lions 30, Packers 24. That'll be, that'll be, the, that'll be the score I go with right there, even though I think the, uh, even though the Packers are, I think, a one-point favorite going into this, uh, into this weekend. So, but I'm going Lions 30-24. Yes. Oh, man, Griff guy, I basically tuned you out when you started to talk because I thought you were going to go down the old uh... – Griffith Trail, where you were going to justify it and then tell the Kool-Aid drinkers why they were going to lose. And I just got to kick you off the show and all that stuff. But uh, you came through for me with an incredible, surprising score. And we'll see if you keep that up on Sunday or if after the first bad play, if you flip that score around. Okay. Well, well that's what I had to go with there. So uh, let's, uh, let's keep w's, going here. Uh, two W's from uh, the Kool-Aid cast yeah. uh, on this game. I love it. There's a... Uh, there's uh, one thing I want to talk about, uh, you know, another topic. You know, it's, uh, you know, lines are a quarter of the way through the season, and coaches always talk about how you break up seasons by quarters. And, you know, after the first quarter, they're one and three. And generally, uh, I always read this, and we see stuff like this, that everybody starts to give out, you know, you're at the quarter pole, you know, you're going to hand out your grades for certain parts of the team. And I, I see some that seem to be very, uh, let's see, uh, they're, they're very legit. And then some, it seems like the reporters are kind of uh, – they overgrade a little bit. I don't know just to stay in the good graces of the team or not, but some is just like, gosh, are we watching the same team here? So uh, I think tonight after the uh, after the first quarter is done, I, I want to get your thoughts on, uh, on on everything. I mean, this is just going to be a little quick. We don't have to do uh, like you know real in-depth of why we feel that way, but uh, I'm going to break this down. I want to do first quarter grades of, uh, of the Lions here. So um, what, do you, what do you think uh, – what would you put Stafford at right now after the first quarter? Oh, man, Grifka's got me doing grades four games into the year. But uh, I'll go along with you, Grifka. Um, you know, there's a lot of football left to be played. Let me say that first and foremost. But, I mean, Matt Stafford after four games. Oh, I'm going to try not to be too harsh here. But, uh, I mean, I, I'm going to put him at like a B- minus just because, I mean, I feel like his numbers have been good overall. He's protected the football decent, but – he just hasn't been explosive or hasn't won enough. And again, it all comes down to winning for quarterbacks and for, you know, that position, fair or unfair. So I'm going to go B minus for him. He's got to win more. Got to put up bigger numbers. Yeah. Um, what well, you're going to see with my grades, because I've been thinking about this, uh, I- I'm going to grade a little tougher. So uh, Stafford, I'm going to go a straight C. I mean, like you said, you know, fair or unfair, the, the win loss always, is, always seems to fall on the quarterback no matter what. So, uh, you know, Stafford's made some plays, but there's sometimes, you know, uh, that uh, it seems like uh, we're, like, kind of shaking our head or, you know, wondering, well, who that pass is going to. So I'm just going to go a straight C with Matt Stafford so far, you know, in the season. 
Uh, how do you think our running backs have been doing? I mean, as a group, they're uh, as a group, they're actually like better than we've had in the past. I mean, as far as both production and just the feel I get from them. I mean, they'll have that coming for Carry On, who we've talked about plenty. But I mean, I, I'd have to rate. They're kind of like a pleasant surprise, so I would I put them in the uh, uh, B uh, B minus category as well, like uh, better than expected, but not good enough, and but a little bit better than than average or what I've seen the last couple of years. Yeah, I'm I'm right with I'm I'm right there with you. You know, I was thinking probably like a you know B to B minus. Um, like you said, they're better than what we've had, but there's still a few things that uh, they can improve on, do a little better. I mean, I, you know, I'm not. Uh, you know, Bash and I carry on, but once again, the numbers that we talk about, you know, LeGarrette Blount, where he's at, you know, Theo Riddick just doesn't seem to be as explosive as he has been in the past, but uh, it seems like core-wise, they, they seem to be better than when we were, you know, sitting on, you know, Zach Zenner, you know, everybody was pining for him or Teon Green, so <laughs> I'll uh, I'll, I'll yeah. give a B, B minus. Uh, what do you think? About- your boy, Joy, your boy, Joy Bell. Yeah, Joy. Hold on real quick, though, on the running backs. Like, the reason I give him a B minus, too, it's with this caveat that, like, at least with Carrion Johnson and we've seen if they would use Theo in the pass game, it's the first time I felt like you could get up to the B plus or A minus category if they play the way that we all hope they will. And I've never felt like that before with our run game. I always felt like at the best case scenario, our run game was going to be, you know, C level at best, you know? Yeah, I guess. And now I feel like it has some good upside. So, uh, you know, I hope those guys can come through because I'd love to see that score even higher and uh, sooner than later. So yeah. got some potential, which is great. Um, okay. What do you think about our pass catchers? That's include, I'm, I'm including tight ends in this as well. You know, so uh, what do you think about our tight ends and wide receivers? I think they've been good. I mean, I'm going to go B plus there. I feel like, uh, you know, Galladay is getting a lot of love. I'd say in my, you know, I had such high expectations for him. He's been kind of at that, uh, a, A minus level. You know, the other guys have all caught the ball and it's been thrown to them. Golden Tate has made more big plays than I remember in the past. I mean, he's always been consistent, but we're only four games in and he seems to really make some big plays and some game changers. And I know that Marvin is going to come around here if given the opportunities. So I think overall they've been really good. The tight ends, I mean, to me, I would separate them because the tight ends have been pretty poor. That would bring down my grade quite a bit. Um, they haven't been given many opportunities, and when they haven't, uh, when they have, they haven't done much. What I did love, did you see Luke Wilson blocking some people in Dallas? Oh my! I thought the guy couldn't block a soul. He was he was really doing some work in the in the pass uh, blocking or the run blocking game. So that was surprising to see. But uh, I like the receivers, the tight ends, not so much. I guess overall, though, I'm going to stick with that, uh, you know, above average B plus type of grade. Yeah. That uh, they've they've done what they need to when the ball's come their way. Yeah, I um, like you said, uh, if we're combining them like that, I I did it this way on purpose. I w- I would say like probably a B, you know, getting close up to a B plus if the tight ends was just a, a little better. Like you said, uh, it's, I don't know if they're just not passing them to them or the guys aren't getting open or they just haven't been part of the scheme. But uh, you know, it seems like when the balls are thrown at them, they just. Uh, I mean, you know, a couple of them moved the chains, but uh, they haven't been any, anything really spectacular. You know, like I said, uh, Galladay you know, seems to be the breakout star. Golden Tate does what he does. And 
Marvin Jones, I think Marvin Jones has been a little more hit or miss. I know some of those games, you know, some of those passes in San Francisco went over his head, so he really couldn't do anything with them. So, but like I said, since I'm, I'm, I'm putting them all in one bucket as pass catchers, I'm, I'm just going to go with straight B on these guys. Um, how would you rate our offensive line so far this year? Oh, man. Uh, this is going to be a, a C to C-minus range for me. I mean, the numbers are there. Stafford hasn't been getting blown up. But I just haven't – I haven't loved their consistency. I know all their price tags, and I know they're very high. So, like, there's a high expectation when it comes to, you know, if you're making a lot of money and we put a lot of resources draft-wise into you, I expect dominance. I expect, you know, lots of – you know, room in the run game, lots of time for Stafford to pick people apart. I mean, I bet you if you broke it down like PFF does, they've probably been, you know, better than average. But to me, it's average or below just based on the expectation level for them. Yeah, once again, I agree with you. And like I said, I'm a little harsh. I mean, I'm not ready to go D plus, but I'm 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 in the C minus boat right here. Like you said, everything that we've invested in in them, you know, high first round draft picks, you know, supposed to be proven commodities and Rick Wagner and TJ Lang, even though uh, Lang's been hurt a little bit. It just doesn't seem like, you know, even so far this year, we're, we're not where everybody thought they'd be. So I'm going with the, uh, with the C minus right there for me. Um, mm-hmm. What, uh, what do you think so far? Let's hop over to the uh, other side of the ball. What do you think about the D line so far? F. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> oh, that's good. I'm, um, I'm going along. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, you know, overall, I mean, D-line we knew was going to be a huge issue. They haven't done anything really to, you know, be better than we had hoped. I mean, Deshaun Hand is a kind of a pleasant surprise, but, I mean, he's not making explosive plays. He's just solid. You know, Ricky Jean, same thing. Ziggy hasn't been out there, and uh, we just, I mean, we have a few sacks in regards to Canard and whatnot, but. I, I just haven't been impressed, so that's going to be like a D for me. Just you knew it was going to be a D. It has been a D, and it just uh, needs to be a better D for the D to be better. <laughs> oh, good, good, good use of the of the word D there. Or um, there yeah. you go. um, once again, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, nobody thought that this that this was going to be like the run stuffers, but it just seems like the D line has been. Uh, you know, not nearly as good as, you know, as we need them to be, even to be an average defense. I mean, everybody running on these guys, I know that's part of the defense as a whole, but it starts with that, uh, with the defensive line. So we're, I'm looking at a D minus myself. So um, let's move on to the linebackers. What do you, what do you think about them? F. Oh, I was kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the, they've been pretty rough again. I mean, I, I like Kennard as a player. If you're going to put him as a linebacker, to me, he's more of a rush end. Jared Davis, I mean, I'm still higher. I know we've talked about a lot on this show and went a lot of back and forth. But, like, I still feel like I skew more towards being overall frustrated with Jared Davis in ways, but also more positive than most. I've heard a lot of people write him off. He's a backup. He's He's a cut player that should be cut, all this different stuff. Like, to me, I mean, it's his second year in the league. He's having more struggles, but I see flashes. I see the speed. I see uh, – I think he had a great tackle along the edge last game where he just flew over there and absolutely blew up the running back or whoever caught the screen pass or something. So I'm still high on the guy. Um, I haven't seen much from Reeves Maben or, you know, uh, Christian Jones has been okay, but just kind of like a solid guy. So 
I mean, I guess these guys are going to be C minus for me to be not too hard on them because, you know, we invested a lot. I feel like there's been some flashes, but no splash plays and no, you know, be better for that whole group. Yeah, I'm going with, uh, gosh, I'm, I mean, Kennard's been good. You know, he's been been a surprise. And like you said, Davis, you know, does some things where he tracks the ball okay. And, you know, it seems like Christian Jones is never anywhere to be found. And Reeves Maven really hasn't made any plays. But, gosh, some of the stuff that Davis does just, gosh, how he misses tackles and takes bad angles. And, he, you know, he still struggles in pass coverage. Gosh, I mean, I don't want to put too much weight in what Kennard's done so far. But I'm thinking, like, what we've invested – Gosh, I'm looking at a D plus on these guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, I, I tend to grade a little harder, but that's what I'm looking at. Yeah. Uh, what are you thinking about our defensive backfield? Uh, corners and safeties. Uh, again, to me, with that position, it all comes down to. You always heard me, me and you fight about uh, Darius Slay. You look like, but he doesn't. He doesn't make big plays, and then like that same year, the year or two after. He started coming up with interceptions and touchdowns and all types of things that changed games. So, to me, the DBs and the safeties aren't getting a they're turning the football over or making plays that help us win games. And I just feel like they've been, eh, they've been okay. So, I mean, what was it? We were, like, ranked number one in passing, last in rushing. So, again, stat-wise, they've been great. But – I think, you know, overall, I would just say that they've been, you know, C plus, B minus, nothing special. Okay. I gotcha. Um, like I said, that ranking, you know, with us, they were like really high in the pass, but I think it was one of those things like teams didn't have to pass on the line because the run game was, the run defense was so bad. So that's one of those, I think the numbers lied a little bit there, but still, I mean, uh, like you said, they don't seem to be coming up with like the interceptions, no forced fumbles or anything. You know, when you know when a, when a guy's like stood up and the defensive back comes in and you know you know punches the ball out, you know something like that. But still, I mean, what they, I mean, where their numbers were in the you know pass defense, you know that does have to say a little something. So, you know, I'll go with B minus with these guys. Um, I, I don't know, maybe like you said, maybe I'm skewing a little more because I like Slay so much, but. Um, you know, still, I mean, that number means something. I have to put them in there. I know they haven't done a whole lot this year. You know, uh, uh, I, I, I would, I was really debating on, you know, even, even uh, grading this. But what do you think about the special teams? Yeah, I don't know. To me, it's a short and sweet. I mean, the the NFL has changed the game so much that I don't feel these kick returners, punt returners, impact the game very much. You know, specialists. You know. Uh, I feel like Sam Martin has like had a downturn. I don't know why, but he just he doesn't seem to even all these other teams get the ball in the end zone and he hasn't been punting as good as I remember. So, you know, Prater's solid. Agnew's great if he ever gets an opportunity, but he doesn't really get many opportunities. So they're just they're just middle of the road see who cares to me. Like they don't make any plays. When we have made plays they get called back because of stupid penalties. So it's just their special teams, they every acts like it's this big part of the game, but to me, it's it's been mit, you know minimalized or minimized by the NFL, and I feel like you know you only get 
the punt game, yeah, there's some field position, but other than that, there's not much to say about it. It's touchback every time. There's not many explosive punt returners anymore, so they are what they are. They're just yeah. okay. Yeah, they're there, and I would say I would go somewhere like C minus D plus. So because like you said it, when it seemed like we do have a big play, it's called back with a block in the back or a hold or something like that. So it seems like no matter when there's a kick return or a punt, I'm just always looking for the flag, the little flag symbol to jump up on the bottom of the line, you know, when the lines bust off a pretty decent run. So that's what it seems like I'm always looking at. So, but that I think it's really hurting. Like you said, Sam Martin, I don't know what's happened to this guy, but uh, you know, like I said, I'm looking C minus D plus for special teams. And, uh, we gotta get, we gotta get, we gotta get Prater too some more field goal opportunities. If we're not gonna score touchdowns, he should at least have more field goal opportunities than I feel like he's had this year. He used to be a weapon. Now I feel like he hasn't had many chances. So he's he's one of our better scoring players, to be honest. <laughs> so uh, in the last one, what are you thinking about these uh, new coaching staff so far? What grade would you give them so far? We're talking like scheme wise, you know, uh, adjustment wise, things like that. Oh man, I'm <clears throat> I'm gonna stay in the the camp of Matt Pat. I mean, everybody's down on him. I I was listening to something today, or saw somebody say, "Oh, you know, if they don't win in Green Bay, you gotta think about coaching changes." I'm like, really, you know? Or against Green Bay, you gotta maybe change the coach. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is craziness. You know, like they haven't been good, but I mean, it's such a small sample size. They're trying to get their own players and scheme and all that. So. I feel the head coaching is going to be fine in the long run. You know, if you want to consider these coordinators, you know, replacing at some point in the next year or so, I'm fine with that. I mean, I feel that Jim Bob, if he doesn't turn it around, has shown his cards that he's okay, but he's not going to do anything special. I hope he wins Super Bowls. And Pascaloni, to me, is just a guy that, I mean, he's like a good old football coach, but he's not a dynamic defensive mind like uh, the McVeighs and these new guys that are out there really changing the game. So overall, the coaches are fine with me. You know, they're they're a B minus in my book. But if you want to boot some of these coordinators, if they're D pluses for the rest of the year, then sure, you know, try to get better in that position. But you know, give this coaching staff time. I just hate these people with these instant reactions. I mean, three four games, come on. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm going right now. I mean, I know it's like a one and three. They're one and three right now. So, like you said, I've heard that too, where a lot of people are saying, you know, it's time to, like, oh, was this the right thing? Make a change. But, you know, you, you know, like Bill Parcells said, you know, you are what your record says you are. So, uh-huh. I, I'm going to go with a C right now. I mean, still, you know, new head coach, learning on the fly. I know it was like Bobby Quinn's handpicked guy. He was supposed to, you know, trying to bring, you know, like you said, trying to change their mentality is the big thing, you know, from the, uh, you know, you spoke about this before, you know, the Detroit Lions, you know, country club too, you know, like we're, we're going to put the work in, we're going to work hard. So, but still, I'm, I'm just going to go with a C with them so far. I know probably after, you know, at, at the midway point, we will probably be doing this again. Maybe our our, grade, our grades will change some, but right now I'm, I'm just going to stick with a C for, for the coaches. But, so, But when you say you are what your record are, like our record is a, an F to a, a D, right? D minus right now, but... I think, you know, like you got to look at some of the silver linings and you have to give things time, just like we do with rookies. Like, you can't grade a rookie after two, three games. You have to give them time. So, give the coaches time. And then some right. of the other, other positions you went over are, are guys we've seen for a while now. So, it's easier not only to grade them harsher, but to know what they are. I mean, you really don't know what this whole staff, staff 
scheme and and program is going to look like over the next two years. I'd say two to three years we're going to have a handle on, you know, is Matt Pat a top coach or is he a, a, a washout? But I'm not going to do it in year one or even early in year two. Okay. Um, okay here we go. we got the coaches there. There's Actually, I was sitting back thinking about a couple other things. And, uh, you What's know, your I, overall grade for the team, Grifka, like as a whole right now? Uh, C minus. Yeah. As an overall team, just because of their record and how yeah. they played, I'd have to say it's a it's a C minus, even D plus. I would go just because of not only the expectations, but just how yeah. how sloppy and bad they've been from preseason to now. Yeah, because I think to be honest with you, I think when we were doing our preseason picks of the season, I think we both had them at three and one right now going into the Green Bay game. You know, so and they're mm-hmm. one and three. So you're right. I mean. C minus, and when you 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 when you when you said D plus, I'm like, yeah, I can see that, and I could almost agree with you on that. You know, I could I could see that as well. Um, you got you got to agree with me, Griff, but that's part yeah, of the show. That 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 you know, it's, it sounds stupid, but that Jets game is just leaving a lot of bad. That's leaving a bad taste in my mouth, and that one's going to be a hard one oh, to yeah. overcome, from considering what we've we've seen the Jets. You know what they are since then. But uh, oh, yeah, it was terrible, and like you say, they. Overall, this season they just haven't been good. But a few plays here or there, and they're either two and two or or even three and one. So yeah. you know that's the NFL. Yep. So um, once again, just kind of wrapping up. You know, our first quarter. You know, going into the Green Bay game. I know we picked. Uh, we both picked uh, Lions winning the Green Bay, but um, we're at one and three. So there's a couple questions I want to ask you at this point. You know, to see exactly how you feel. And do you think this Green Bay game is a must-win game? I I definitely do, and it's weird because, again, I'm usually the guy that wants to see the long-term picture and, hey, calm down. It's only – but to me, I mean, three, one and four versus two and three is such a difference in the NFL. It's like feels like a totally different situation from top to bottom. So I feel, yes, not only do they have to win this game for the, the coach – for themselves, for the home. Again, NFL, when you're playing at home, you basically got to take care of home. So I think it's a must-win from that scenario. Again, it's a division game. So usually everybody says they count for two. They are more important, so it's a must-win in that area. But to me, this is just a must-win because if it's a loss, I mean, you're looking at not much to, to play for. I mean, I don't see many teams go from one and four to getting back in the mix. You know, one and four usually would mean – all right, are we going to win four games or six games? Because that's that's going to be the top. And I don't want to see us get there right now. So, yes, must win. Got to have it. That's why I think and then why I predicted they will. Because, yeah, it's, it's a must win in my book. Yeah, I'm there with you. This is a must win. If not, uh, it's a – it's going to be that long, that long, long season that we're all kind of dreading once again. I know we had talked about this and we kind of argued about it, you know, on a prior podcast that, you know, Matt Pat was brought in to be like to take the team to the next level and not, you know, take steps back. You know, they were a game out of the playoffs last year. You know, he was supposed to take us into the playoffs. And uh, I don't know, you know, they go, like you said, they go one and four, you know, at this point, it's just like, you know, all you're going to hear is like, oh, well, we should lose to get the better draft pick. It's just like you're five games into 16 and you're already, you know, oh, who should we take at the draft, you know? So, yeah, this is a must-win game. If not, you know, the wheels could fall off here really, really quick, and you're going to have a lot of, you know, you know, 
fans that just don't care again. A lot of apathy for another another fall wasted on Detroit Lions football, where a lot of Lions fans had a lot of promise going into that. Griffka, hold on, I got to tell you something funny. So, um, so I want to get this out there too, because you remember before the season started, I had posed a question to you and the Big Hughes about. Uh, you know, what if they were to win six games or less? Would it would the sky be falling, or would you understand that things are getting in place, or that you know, yeah, we expect to be better, but I didn't know that we'd be better with a snap of the fingers. So you guys said, you know, it would be worst case scenario. I couldn't deal with it. I was kind of like, hey, I'm expecting you know eight, ten wins, but I could see a, a tough year. So you know, like I say, if that does come to fruition, you know, I'll be able to deal with it probably better than you two will but my other point I wanted just to add is like when you say people looking at the draft pick like let's say this season does go south like over the next you know six games and it's just really rough I think there is you know I'm such a big fan of the draft I think there is something to be said about not losing on purpose not tanking but like knowing that yes a top pick, if you're going to be bad, is much better than being six, seven wins and being in the middle of the first round, especially this year. Like, I was, I, I laughed out loud today. Mike Valenti was talking about it. He goes, he goes, yeah, like, right now you'd be picking two. Like, if you didn't do good the rest of the year, yes, I'd much rather have a top three or four pick than, you know, in the 20s. And he goes, because then I could select Ed Oliver in the pony, and, and he could ride his pony named Coco. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I didn't know if, if Ed Oliver really does have a pony named Coco, but or if he was just saying he'd come off the edge with uh, like a, like he was riding a pony named Coco. I didn't know what he was going for, but I thought it was. <laughs> if that ever came to fruition and we got him and he had a pony named Coco, that'd be awesome. But I mean, there's some game changers up at the top of this draft on the defensive line and a few other spots that could really help us. So, you know, I'm not I'm not rooting for those situations, but I'm saying like if we get there. That is both a silver lining, and yes, the draft can change your whole team with one or two top picks if you do have a bad season. That's why the NFL is so even, and that's why, yes, if you're going to be bad, you might as well be really bad because you can get one of those top guys, and that'll change your whole next season. So I just want to get that out there, but uh, we'll see what happens. So um, you touched on this a little earlier, but I want to make sure we got this right. So if if they don't win and the team looks bad again – do you think the Lions make any changes with anything? I'm not talking Matt Pat, you know, come the uh come the bye week afterwards. No. No, I'm never a I'm never a fan in the NFL of you know, the only time I loved it is when Martha came in and got rid of all the buffoons that had been here through all the losing, you know, and finally got rid of Tom Lawan and uh, you know, who was it like Lombardi when they got rid of him? I felt like it was the writing was on the wall, but I'm not a proponent of getting rid of people like Mizzen or when things aren't like we were at week 10 or 12 and that was our bye week and we had been garbage for the beginning of that whole beginning of the year, maybe, but not when you have an earlier bye and not when it's not really terrible yet. So no way. I I mean, worst case, if it really went bad this year, you just kind of ride out the season and the next year you look for a really dynamic defensive coordinator that or you let Matt Pat call the defense. I know he doesn't want to do that, but that could be something they can consider. And then if the offense doesn't get it going, then yeah, you gotta move on from Jim Bob at the end of the season, but not right now. Yeah, I'm uh once again uh I know uh, you want me to disagree with you and say, yeah, fire them all and can them and bring in <laughs> on those things, but that doesn't that doesn't benefit anything. Like you said, it's an early buy. 
you know, it's like still getting your feet, you know, you're still learning, trying to change the culture. And I don't think you're really changing the culture. All of a sudden, you know, Green Bay comes in and just rolls you up and you decide to just, uh, you know, clean house and, you know, and that, that doesn't really benefit this team at all. And it really, I think it actually takes you a couple more steps back than anything. But I think the one coordinator, I mean, you mentioned Pascaloni, but we talked about it, you know, earlier in this podcast, I think the coordinator really got to watch would be like that special teams coordinator. So, you know, I mean, like you said, we haven't given Prater a whole lot and that's not, you know, that's on the offense or the defensive side, but you know, a lot of dumb penalties on kick returns and punt returns and, you know, stuff like that. And it's just, it's really hurting. So that would be the guy I would, I would uh, say if there was any chance he would be the guy would be the special teams coordinator. Grifka, please give me, please tell me, you know, what the legendary Alliance special teams coordinator for years and years when I was just becoming a fan. You got to know the name. Stan Kwan. Stan Kwan. <laughs> oh, man, he was here forever. Oh, wait, but like, my favorite. I don't know why I ever knew his name. But yeah, but Stan, see, but we're talking about, uh, we're talking about, def- we're talking about special teams coordinators here, you know, and I always say it, some teams are favored. Everybody knows who Joe Avizano is. Oh, he was a special teams coordinator for the Cowboys. Why? Because any time, like, it would be like a kickoff. They would show Joe Avizano, like, he does something special. I mean, yeah. the guy would always – it always looked, like, so mad, too. Like, it would just be – it'd be like like the – you know, it's a touchback, and they would they would flash to Joe Avizano, and he'd look just totally angry, like, you know, because the guy on the outside didn't sprint all the way down and touch the end zone or something. I, I don't know, but everybody knew who Joe Avizano was. He was the Cowboys special teams coordinator. Because he was shown at least ten times every Cowboys game, but right, uh, yeah. he was he was no Stan Quan, but Joe Avizano did have a good haircut. It was that slick back <laughs> white hair with a, and he just he just always looked so angry. Yeah, okay, I'm, um, just glad, I'm just glad you got in a rant about uh, you know the Cowboys, the Steelers, yeah. the Giants, you know uh, yeah, the preferential treatment. I tried to set you up last show for that, and you didn't go for it. Uh, sorry, that was I'm still disappointed <laughs> after. <laughs> just pointed after after losing a game that was very winnable. Okay, yeah. and the uh, last one, uh, wrapping up uh, the, our first quarter of the season. Um, who who would you call your biggest surprise and your biggest bust so far this year? No, you don't need to have an offensive defense one. You can just pick this as a whole. You know, it's like biggest offense surprise, biggest defense surprise. You don't need to do that. Just uh, who do you think the biggest surprise is on the team and who do you think the biggest bust is so far on the team? Huh. Yeah, that's, that's tough. I, I guess, like, uh, hmm, let me start with, I guess, like, how do I define surprise, too? Um, man, I, I I guess, like, a bust for me, I'll just start there, unfortunately, has got to be Tease Tabor. Like, I know he's a second rounder. I didn't love the pick, but I remember talking him up this year going, hey, man, if he could be the opposite next to Slay, I mean, this guy can barely find the field anymore, and all the stuff was about his instincts and his football IQ. I mean, he hasn't jumped any routes I've seen. He hasn't done anything impactful. So Tabor would be my bust or disappointment. And uh, I guess, like, biggest surprise, even though he's not, like, a surprise for me, but he's for everybody else, is uh, I think, you know, what Kenny Galladay has done consistently, game in, game out, has been a nice surprise the league I mean we're we're totally looking at our receiving core differently just because this guy has played so well I remember people today were even saying hey I see him as a number one one guy even went as far as to say 
Kenny Galladay, I think, could be a top five receiver in the NFL in the next few years. I mean, this was not a caller of a radio show. This was like a you know person, either radio host or a, an expert per se. So that surprised me. But I mean, I think Kenny G would be the pleasant surprise slash uh, expectations uh, exceeded type of guy. Um, yeah, I yeah I uh, I see both uh, both your answers there. Uh, my. So you agree with me? Uh, well, I mean, I agree with some of them, but uh, I got a couple different guys. I mean, uh, my big, my yeah. biggest surprise so far this year would probably have to be Kennard, to be honest with you. I know he was the major signing of the team, and I know a lot of people are kind of bashing what he did last year. The stats like, we're basing our whole defense on this guy who had four sacks and blah, blah, blah. I mean, he's. I think he's played very, very well for the defense that has been much, much maligned this year. Um, I would definitely go with uh, – Definitely go with uh, Devin Kennard so far as as the biggest surprise. Um, That's a good one. Yeah, as as for the biggest bust, um, gosh, I would I would have to lump it as a whole and say our say the Lions tight ends. I I I don't know what they were expecting. I I mean, you know, I you know my my. Uh, my strong dislike for Eric Ebron and seems like we could almost plug anybody else in there and do it. But I guess I was just expecting a little more out of these guys. Like we had talked, man, just some chain movers, things like that. But, you know, blocking wise, you know, catching the ball wise, it's just, you know, it seems like these passes that the tight ends are catching right now are nothing of significance. They've, they just seem to be the outlet. You understand what I'm saying? It's just like Stafford's in trouble and like the tight end's just standing there. So, okay, I'll throw it to him because he's an eligible wide receiver. That's It seems like that's what they're getting. There's no routes. And, you know, the the two plays where uh, Stafford tried to get it to a tight end, it seemed meant for him. They were both interceptions. You know, once against one against the Jets and one against the Patriots. So I, I would have to say uh, the tight end so far have been, have been the biggest bust to me. So th- those would be my things. Yeah, those are those are two good ones. Before we get out of here, just as I thought about it a bit more, some other ones that came to mind. Like, I mean, we got to chalk up Ashawn pretty much a, as a bust so far. Just what we were hoping. Uh, Deshaun Hand is a bust that I didn't think of uh, as far as what he's brought to the table. And then you know we got to put Davis sort of in that bust category. You know, and I, I think you hit it with Kennard as a, as a nice surprise in that linebacking core. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. But I thought it was a good question. And, you know, again, we don't want to grade everything too early, but let's see how it plays out. But I'm glad we got through the grades and gave some uh, some surprise and busts. So hopefully uh, th- those guys will turn it around. We definitely need everybody to play better. That's the bottom line for this team. Yeah. So uh, that's where we're at at the quarter pole going into the Green Bay game. So, uh what do you say? What do you yeah. think about getting out of here, Derek? Yep, it's about that time, Grifka. And it's crazy. I can't believe we're at week five of the NFL season. Like we wait so long for it to come, and then I feel like it comes and it's flying by already. It hasn't gone how we wanted, but again, it's only a quarter of the way through the season. We've got three quarters left, and I'm thinking that if we can get this win on Sunday, we can start playing some more explosive football on both sides of the ball with more mojo, as we've talked about on these shows. And there's no reason that we can't beat the Packers and then, you know, pick and choose our wins moving forward, meaning like some games we'll, we'll win, some games we still won't look so good. I don't know that we have the most consistent team. 
right now. But I think there are definitely games where they can win when they shouldn't win or win games, you know, at home. And then there's going to be tough games on their schedule that are just going to be ones that are going to be, you know, hard to get this year with all the changeover. So, Grifka, with that being said, man, like we said, we threw out our predictions. Let's go get this W, whatever it takes. Offense, let's light up that scoreboard. Defense, play solid. and Let's win this game. So, Detroit Kool-Aid, hit that subscribe button. Share this with a friend. Drink that tall glass of Honolulu Blue Kool-Aid this Sunday at 1 p.m. as we kick it off against the Green Bay Packers. And let's show Aaron Rodgers whose town this is. And let's get a W in Ford Field. So, Grifka, we're going to get out of here. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. This Sunday, I'm going to give you what you crave, what everybody here craves. Drink it in, man.